podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Slogging It. Um, another torrid week um, as, a, as an England cricket fan. Um, it's days like these that um, Simon and I, you know, sometimes wish we were Eugene, uh, <laughs> where he doesn't have to worry about it so much. Um, we're kind of reeling a little bit today. Today, a couple of hours, the, the squad's been announced for the um, for the West, upcoming West Indies tour. Um, and so that's off the back of a lot of other stuff that's gone on in and around English cricket in the last kind of week, uh, off the back of the Ashes fallout. So we've got loads to get through. Um, before we do that, just want to uh, remind everybody to subscribe rather than having to try and find us. Please tell everybody. Um, three Muppets ranting. Uh, I think we do actually talk quite a lot of sense. Uh, but then again, it, it, we would say that because they are ranting. Whoa. whoa. Um, yeah, Rob, I doesn't think I talk any sense in fairness. Um, but, you know, one of us doesn't talk sense, John, and it's a South African one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, loads to get through. So uh, we must say uh, also, don't forget to keep supporting the Lord's Taverners. Tabs 11 to 60331 to support them with £3. Uh, also, we must mention the great work that the Samaritans do, and we're obviously still... Uh, linked with them through the great work that Simon's doing with them. So as long as you can afford it, if you could continue to support those two amazing charities, that'd be amazing. Uh, Big Smoke Brewery, uh, great to to have their support still. I'm drinking a, an electric eye tonight, which is which is very nice. I had a couple of them with Huge down at Twickenham uh, last night as well. Delicious. Delicious stuff that it is. And uh, also uh, Woodstock Cricket. We might come on to why I was in Twickenham later, uh, but maybe not. Um, so, gentlemen, um, this tonight is all going to be about England cricket, the state of England cricket, everything that's gone on over the past kind of seven to ten days, probably not even that long. It's just seemed like it's been going seven on to ten hours. Well, no, 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 no. See, some of it's gone on a few days oh, yeah, before yeah. this. Some people might um, say it's been going to shit for fucking 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more around the, uh, the, the departures, do we say, since the uh, the Slightly less than average um, winter um, just had. You had a draw. Um, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we get that Homer noise and just kind of input in? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, right Giles Silverwood Thorpe all gone. Um, I, you know, we kind of referenced the Thorpe thing the last time we spoke. I think he was. Uh, there's bits more coming out now about you know maybe the lads, some of the lads disagreeing with some of their tactics. Um, you know, it's it, all all the shit starts coming out afterwards, doesn't it? But um, there's a guy called Joe Ross we were just talking about off air, who wrote a, a really good article for the Full Toss um, and just basically saying uh, Giles didn't really do anything because all the parts of his job. He, gave, he, he kind of delegated, which is a big part of management, but then he wasn't actually left with anything really to do himself. Um, so he'd had the delegated stuff so well to people who were doing it so yeah. badly. His job was then untenable uh, itself. But what, what do we think about the initially the Giles Silverwood thought situations? Is that the right move for them three to have uh, lost their jobs? 
I think they were left with very little option, weren't they? they had the whole Charles made the appointments. The appointments were based on the Ashes series. That like that was they said that two years ago, and that was the reason why Silver got the job. They said that was when they came out with it previously, and and unfortunately that if you go through that shambles that they did, and I don't think there's many other words to describe it really, like from top to bottom, like organization piss poor planning piss poor recognitions of situations piss poor like it's not great so i don't think they were left with a lot of choice um and yeah the one that surprised me the most and, and no doubt it'll be very similar thing i think graham thorpe will still be involved in i think to be fair chris silver will still be involved in the England coaching setup because from what I've heard, he's still a very good bowling coach and he was a bowling coach before. So, would it not then be difficult to fall back into the ranks? Well, Andy having... Flower did it, didn't he? Andy Flower went, it got released, got sacked from being England head coach and was then director of national or the academy or whatever it was and did that move that around. So, I, I, I think to be fair, the one thing I will say is that we'll move on to this, I'm sure, in a few minutes' time when we talk about prospective coaches coming up next. There is I feel a bit sorry for a lot of young coaches when people say this, but there is an apparent lack of elite English coaches, which I think mm. is really harsh because we all know guys that come through. And I think England have currently got this thing where you must have played and you must have got to this level and you must have got all that. And I kind of understand that, but I don't, I'm a sort of of the opinion that you don't need necessarily been a great player to be a great coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the, in terms of certainly the two of those, I think the right was on the wall for them. Their sole, their appointments were solely based. And I think Thorpe got kind of dragged in and promoted and then was made batting coach. And then for that one draw was made head coach. And then with the, everything that happened in the bar and stuff after the game, which I personally didn't have a problem with, and he's filming it and he's obviously drunk and smoking cigars inside. I think that's the, that's the kind of thing there. I, I, I'm not surprised, no. To be honest, huge. Any of you? I think Thorpe should have been head coach after his antics at the uh, bar, but that's just my opinion. Um, no, no. In all seriousness, um, it's interesting that Robbo just mentioned, you know, what what sort of the the coaching aspect, and I, I've sort of always had this opinion that the best coaches are not necessarily the best players, or even the best coaches, but the best that get um, the best talent out of individuals. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's that's one of the big things that, that England have been missing. I mean, Silverwood seemed to coast in the nicest possible way off the curtain off the curtails of the previous regime of, of coaches. And and you know, he might have said the right things at the right time and got the job. And look, let's let's be honest, that's how you get jobs. Right time in right place, right? Yeah, yeah. Um You then have to prove that you can do it, don't you? That's the yeah, thing. yeah. And and unfortunately he hasn't. And I suppose the only person that's still standing is Collingwood. You know, he's obviously yeah. done the right things and, and been in the right place. And from my perspective... Not in Australia, I think, by the sounds of it. Well, you know, you, you could... He's scored for the early doors. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the only one still standing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, you know, from yeah. my perspective, obviously, there's some uh, faith in his in his, in his his leadership skills. And and who knows? Maybe, you know, he he, sh he, he does a good showing out in the West Indies and, and you know, things sort of progress from there. Um but yeah, Giles, for me, I mean, there's always that classic case in leadership that 
you always surround yourself with the best people. I think he had the idea right in that he delegated a lot of his roles and responsibilities to other people. Did he choose the right people? Well, obviously not because he's not there. And that, that always, you know, that's, that's, that's leadership 101 is make sure that you surround yourself with good people. Um, and then, yeah, Thorpe is just unfortunate. Um, wrong time, wrong place, you know, straight after the, you know, the, I think the media got rid of him, not not necessarily how good or, or, or not good he was during the role. It's just one of those. But I'm hoping that, um, you know, the, the West Indies um, test series is going to be a good one. Obviously, we want to watch good cricket and we want to try and see it competitive. And I know that we've got a couple of things planned for tonight around the, 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 the test sides that are going. But, yeah, look, let's let's wipe the slate clean if we can and move on. I mean, let's let's see where we go. The... Um... Yeah, the, the Giles one's an interesting one for me. So I, I a very good friend of mine um, who played under him at one of um, the counties um, where he was in charge, um, basically said that he made his life an absolute hell. Um, you know, he, he has to be very difficult, careful about what he says directly and whatever. And, I, and so I won't name check the player, but, you know, said that the, this Giles is an awful bloke to work for, and you know, just a not not a particularly nice bloke. Now, I've I've met Ashley Giles once years ago, and never in a, but never at any level to have any kind of conversation, even just really about cricket with him, other than you know mutual love of the game. Um, Collingwood for me is an interesting one. Obviously, Graham Gooch has come out this week and said he'd prefer it to be an English Englishman. Um, Collingwood's been around the coaching setup for a long time, but without ever really holding one of the top jobs. Do we think it's fair, Simon, to throw, you know, Brigadier Block, great, great English cricketer across, you know, multi-formats with both bat and ball, um, Ashes winner, multiple Ashes winner. Is it, you know, is it just an easy thing to go, ER colleague, go and, you know, you have a go? like, it, Or is it, is it going to be the fairest thing to actually give him that role? Uh, uh, well, my first, my thing going back to what Eugene said about great players and great coaches is I personally don't think Collingwood was a great player. Um, he was a good player and he worked freaking hard and he found a job for himself within a side that had an awful lot of very talented people around him. And he, why I think he will make a good coach. The answer is yes, I do think he will make a good coach. But the reason why is because I don't think necessarily he was the most gifted player in the world. I don't think he was the most talented. He wasn't. But what he did was he had to work hard and he had to figure stuff out. He wasn't a Kevin Peterson, a freak of an ability, and then had to work with that. He he was, like people call him Brigadier Block, he collided with the ball like and figured out. Is that not played to situation though because he was Brigadier Block when we absolutely needed him to do yeah, nothing yeah, but else you, but... you look at him play one day when he played one day cricket and he, and he, he was very good at figuring situations out um, and that's, yeah. this is what I'm saying it's like that What we one of the reasons that things that we said went so wrong in Australia was an inability to adapt to a situation and I think yeah. in Collingwood what they've got at the minute is someone who th whether it be through not being necessarily the most gifted or whether it just through B3 being sheer bloody mindedness in going, I want to play all three or two formats as it started off as, but then three formats for England when I've got to figure out a way of playing in multi formats. And this is how I'm going to figure out. I'm going to shovel it in the leg side and then I'm going to bang it through point. And like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and he figured out ways of doing things. So for me, yes, like 
I think he is somebody who, within that England game, England's setup at the minute, will give them an identity that Giles couldn't give them, Silverwood certainly couldn't give them, and Thorpe didn't give them. Yeah. What do you think, Donna? Do you think what with, with Collingwood, what do you reckon? Like, you, you've asked some questions. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I liked him as a player, and I agree with your kind of... Um, summation if you like that yeah he he was yeah he was someone who you know just worked his nuts off to to get the best out of himself uh, and so those guys the more attritional guys kind of more often than not you know having had to go, if you've gone through something yourself it's much more relevant to them to people that you're then telling to do the same thing because it's like don't ask someone to do something that you you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself and i think Collie has very much, as you say, had to go away, work very hard at different times in his career to, you know, figure out a way. And that's what, you know, you hear all these things in all professional sports, you've got to figure out a way. And he went about that. And so I, I don't, my worry is, I don't want Paul Collingwood to get the role because he's the next English guy and they feel like that's the right thing to do is to give it to an English guy. I think this needs to be a long-term appointment and I think it needs to be... I think Collie could take white ball if someone only wants to take red ball and I wouldn't be against that. Um, but I think the the big problems around England test cricket at the moment are that we need someone um, with massive capability, massive qualifications. Um, we'll talk about the names being banded around a little bit later on. But, um, you know, look... it. It's one of those things. We could go and we could go and win three 0 in West Indies, but does that mean English cricket solved and Paul Collingwood's the right man for the job? No, it doesn't. Um, so, you know, and again, we'll, we're going to come on to the squad and, and the West Indies series in in a minute. I just want to go to, um, you know, much as I slag off the BCCI or have been, I and mean, most of it's tongue in cheek, but you know, someone else that's kind of fallen within my crosshairs recently is Tom Harrison. There are more reasons for this, more of which will become apparent that I can't say anything about at the moment. Um, but as a reference to this article by Joe Ross earlier, who talked about Giles Silverwood, so on and so forth, this article, and it's on thefulltoss.com. Um, so James Morgan uh, runs this blog called The Full Toss. It's a really, really good, insightful cricketing blog. Uh, and Joe Ross has written this piece about the whole kind of England conundrum at the minute. But also then says, right, um, Tom Harrison, yeah, Robbo said a minute ago, Giles picked the people to, to go into these roles. Well, actually, Tom Harrison had to sign that off. Um, and Joe references the problem, the big problem is being at board level. Um, now, this guy, yes, he, you know, I know Robbo's got a view on it of, you know, if his contract says that he can take a cut of X if he brings in X, then fine. And that is the black and white of it. But as the CEO or the chief exec of English cricket, uh, there's a lot of people within cricket seriously pointing fingers at Tom Harrison. Um, and, and Joe does this in this very well put together article. Um, is the, 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 whole, the whole thing with um, Harrison, I actually think, and there's a fair few people uh, that I'm talking to at the moment, think that he might also be on his way out. Now, this is, a, you know, this might not happen, but this is a, this is a quite a common theory. But, and that may be, those, those discussions may be going on behind the scenes, but he doesn't want to step aside before he's taken this very healthy bonus that he's going to get. Um, 
But does English cricket need a clear out? Is it right? Is it good to go up to and including Giles? Or if we're going to have a complete clear out, surely that means everybody, and that including everybody, then means Tom Harrison, does it not? Uh, You're talking about Ashley Giles was in charge of elite cricket, wasn't he? Like that. So his job was to make sure England performed on all levels. Now, yeah, they they did okay in the um, they won the World Cup in 2019. Brilliant. Um, They did okay in the T20 World Cup. Um, but unfortunately, if if he was, well, we've, I was going to say if he was Australian, he might have got away with it. He wouldn't have done because, I mean, they're winning. They've won both things they've played in the last few weeks and they've still managed to get rid of this coach. But he, his sole role is cricket, as in the playing of elite cricket. Tom Harrison has such a broad job that encompasses... Youth participation encompasses the hundred. It encompasses first class cricket. It encompasses like junior pathways. It encompasses all this kind of stuff. Now I don't know whether it does. Though. Well, he's the head of the ECB, so of course it does. Yeah, yeah, but there'll be other people. His his main focal responsibility is to manage the is to to look after the elite men's sport and Ashley Giles reports directly into him. There are other people. In which case, that... I know he doesn't deserve a job because what is he doing? Is that like, like, if that if his sole role, and this is the thing, I, I was of the opinion was he was in charge of the ECB, which included he is, oversees everything. He's so the CEO. His main dad, CEO. He looks so after revenue. CEO of the ECB. The ECB encompasses all cricket, encompasses club cricket, encompasses women's cricket, encompasses all forms of cricket. It doesn't just cover the England men, whereas Ashley Giles just covers the England men. Now, what is what? Yeah, no. So, what you can say is. Right, one department of Tom Harrison's has has failed, so he's having a clear out of that department. I, I'm with Robo on this. The, the rest of it has been up to now. You look at his role with the hundred. You look at his role in one day cricket. In fact, not even his whole department. One section of one department has failed. Maybe two because the woman didn't do that well in the Ashes in Australia. Sorry, so yes. Yeah. But like all the rest of it. There's more people playing cricket since the 2019 World Cup. Why? You could argue it's him. He's overseen it. If you're saying it's all his okay. fault, when it's gone well, he's got to be the one that's done well. No, no, I agree with that. But then equally, you two know the stuff that I'm referencing in the background that we can't open. No, no, share no, no, about, no. Yeah, and I, but, but if you if you look at the other the other things, like it encompasses a broader spectrum. I mean, do you know what? Do you know if he is staying in it for his bonus? <laughs> Which dickhead wrote the contract? Oh no 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 no! Like, I know I know that. So, but I, I... so for me, it's not it's not as simple as just going. I hate this football mentality. I cannot stand it. That if if you go to a football club and you're in charge of a football club, the Saudis in not the 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 Qataris at Manchester City don't just sit there and spend one point two billion on a football team. They've spent three or four times more than that developing players, developing an academy, developing programs in the community, developing all this other stuff. Yet, the first thing that anyone wants to do is get, as soon as it goes tits up, is get rid of that senior person, get rid of that that one figurehead who's 90% of his job, he's done really well. But because it's the 10% that 
that folk just sit there going, oh, yeah, right, no, he must be shit. Well, no, he's not. Tom Harrison might be unbelievable. What he's not very good at is speaking in front of a committee in the Houses of Parliament. Yeah, so it isn't just the testing. So it's not just the testing. So I'm just going to read you an excerpt of this this article, right? So it says, uh, there's obviously before, there's much more before this, but it says, despite all of that, however, England's biggest problem is clearly at board level. Tom Harrison, the man who delivered the 100, still seems to have a mysterious stranglehold over English cricket. His time as chief executive has been littered with controversy, whether it be poor handling of cricket's discrimination problem, the shameful 2.1 million bonus arranged when ECB employees were losing their jobs, or the fact that it's costing the sharp end of a grander season for a single child to be able to train with the county age group team. Then there's a self-defeat in domestic schedule, which was a mess even before the 100 made things so much worse. If anyone's to blame for the England Jassy's humiliation, it's Tom Harrison. Yeah, he still refuses to step aside, paying desperately to power for another few weeks so he can claim his undeserved bonus. The departure of Giles and Silverwood therefore look increasingly like ploys to deflect the blame. The man wielding the axe is the person who deserved it, who most deserves the axe himself. And, and they're all very valid points, but they're to, they're, they're to do with. For me, and, I, and I'm not going to say he's not going to step aside after his bonus. Yes, I think he will. But I think it's an easy cop-out for people to just go, it's on him. And that's... But it's not just on him. It's on all of the guys that have also been have it's, gone, right? It's, it's a bit... And I, Where, where's as, the positives in that? There must be positives. There can't only be negatives. And this is the thing about yeah. media articles and, and writing of stories is... There is always only the negatives and the agenda that people want to write. Now, I'm not saying that there is any positives, by the way, because I don't know Tom, Tom Harrison from Joe on the Street. But, you know, there's always two sides to the story. And this is the thing in, in terms of, you know, there must be some positives. Why was he offered that, that lucrative bonus? There must have been something he's done. Then maybe the ECB have had a stellar financial mm-hmm. year. And you know what? As a CEO, that's what you're targeted on. So, therefore, should you get your remunerated? Absolutely. I, I agree, but the, the, I think the, the umbrage that people are taking with that particular situation is, okay, how can Tom Harrison and I think another three, maybe four of them, I think there's four or five in line to take a share of this 2.1 million bonus, um, when they're booting people out of their jobs what? due to COVID, are, are they? then be in line to... Are they booting people out? All right, so what, what do you do? You look at people, clubs like Manchester United <laughs> and various people, just, you know, players taking... Salary cuts. Didn't the England cricket team actually take uh, reduced wages for a period? I don't, I don't know. Uh, in order to, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. So I, I think that, look, there's a number of different yeah, factors around. We don't know if he took. He might have taken a 30 40% bonus, uh, pay cut on the basis to then that this this bonus was still in place. We don't know that. That's This is what I'm saying. It's, it's all the, the guy, the, the journalist writing these articles will twist any. any statistic and any small item yes you can sit there and easily go right covid hit he's he's in line for a share of a 2.1 million pound bonus but for example if his salary was a million pounds a year i'm sure it may well have been more but if he took a 40 percent salary cut two years ago when covid hit and his share if you send there's five people involved yeah, four people involved is 400 grand he's still 300 grand down and, and so you let's, look at- and you look at every other business in the same scenario. You know, I, yeah. I can name a number of retailers. I'm not going to name any of them. Hearing exactly the same conversations that we're going through, exactly the same 
yet right now they're coming out the other end smiling because of the decisions that were made and the decisions of possibly the CEO. I don't know who it was, but there's always two sides to the story, Jono. And I know that there's there's other things that are going on in the background, but you know, we just yeah, it is what it is, and we we've got to we've got to you know, I I don't think a clear out all the way up to him is necessary in my opinion. You've you've got to have someone who's gone through the experience of of it going to shit. Because if otherwise, if you just shut people in as a fresh, you've not done it before, then when it starts going to, excuse me, going to shit again, they're not going to be able to recognize it. So you, it's important, like you, you read, you hear about business people, you hear about like all these people that go through life and they have, you fail 90% of the time. But it's about then how you go, right, no, I recognize that and I can move forward. So I think this is where one of them weird things, like a, a mass clear out, doesn't necessarily always help. I think of certain areas and bits. And if there's someone that's better for the job of the CEO is the of ECB, fine. Get rid of him. Get this fellow. It's going to be interesting to see if he steps aside once he takes his bonus, because that then actually will say to me whether he Correct. actually cares about that's English cricket. That's a great point, Johnny. Yeah, yeah or, or he's or he's paying yeah, an interest-only mortgage at the minute that he's relying on this bonus to pay the part of his house. <laughs> but you don't you don't know, dear. You guys obviously both know yeah. a little bit more than I'm allowed to say about, about this other situation. So for those people listening to this, I, there's a lot of other stuff going on in cricket that we're not. I'm not yet allowed to talk about, which skews my decision on this as well, to be fair. So uh, all will become apparent at some point in the future. Before we came on, um, obviously today the, the West Indies squad has been announced. Um, so... First question, based on the squad that we've seen, is this, a Straussy coming in and flexing his muscles, is it a big new era play from him? Or is it about bringing in new talent that we're going to go out and blood against one of the lower-ranked sides and we kind of go, Meh, we're happy, you know, it doesn't matter if we lose 3-0. It's about getting some boys some experience because Jimmy and Brody are going to come back in uh, as uh, plus maybe some others in for the South African and I think Pakistan isn't it in the in the summer uh, or is it the end of the road for Jimmy and Brody? Yeah, Eugene, I, I've, I've definitely got a massive opinion on this, and this is because I ate my words massively when I saw the South African squad uh, in in well I suppose a couple of a couple of weeks and slash months ago. Um, this is a new era in my opinion for England cricket, and the reason I say that is because. When you look at what South Africa went through and how successful they were against India, I'm now backing this England squad. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking at the squad. I, I, I honestly, as every, as you guys will know, I asked who a couple of people were. I, I had no idea. I had no, yeah, yeah. no idea who they were, but apparently they are supposed to be the up and coming people within English cricket. So from my perspective. Do you know what? After what happened in the Ashes and my prediction going out the window, I'm backing the squad. Robbo? I think it's a cop out. Oh, good. Uh, okay. I, I like think it. it's a. It's the easiest of selections because what you do is you pick a load of unknowns, and if at the end, you get to say it at the end of this series. You get to say what your plan was once the stuff's happened. Because. Because they're not going yeah. in before, are they? What if you look at what Andrew Strauss has said about the drop? And this is, does not mean it's the end of Brody, Anderson, 
Burns, the eight Burns, lads that they've me, left out, it's not the end of their careers. Yeah. Which is just emphasising for me that it's a cop-out. It's, right, we'll pick these lads, and if at the end of the series they've won 3-0 and they've played amazing cricket and everyone's happy, yes, it's the start of a new era. If they haven't, we go, yeah. well, we were just resting those guys and it's nice to give these guys a go, to blood these new characters, to give them experience of playing the ninth-ranked test team in the fucking world. Like, sorry. It's, How clever it's, is that, though? How clever? It's it's not clever. It's not clever. It it's looks clever amazing. You, it's a win-win scenario. I, Come on. Yeah. No, it's, it's a cop-out. And in, we saw this at the start of the India series when they're gone, we've got a plan. This is our team for the Ashes. Right, and they did that, and then, like I've said before on this podcast, Don Best couldn't make it bounce. Moeen Ali retires, and the plans go to shit. So, unsurprisingly, in four yeah. years' time, when they've got James Anderson at forty-five or forty-three, whatever it will be, and Stuart Broad at thirty-nine, and we still haven't got any more bowlers because these suppose these new guys. And I hope I'm wrong. I genuinely hope I'm wrong. But we said the same thing four years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's a cop out, and for me, it's an easy thing to say. How many times have the great teams, have the best teams in the world, not picked their best team? I can tell you the answer: it's never. Or South Africa. Yeah, well, no, no, they're not the best one day team in the world. No. They were once upon a time. Yeah, they were. I mean, <laughs> you look at you look at Australia when Australia were men. Right, they always pick their best team. It didn't matter whether they turned bang- they all they came up with a plan to beat Bangladesh in a day. Because they picked their best team, they wanted to set record. Right? Yes, it didn't work, but never mind. They couldn't win the toss and bowl. But but like you look at the West Indies side in the of that area, you look at the Indian side at the minute, they don't fuck yeah, about Yeah, point taken, point taken. They pick yeah. their best players. And so for me, this is an easy it's a and it goes back to the Collingwood situation. It goes back to the people that are involved. It's whether it be Andrew Strauss, whoever else is involved in it, sitting there going, right, we're not going to say it's the end of their careers. We're going to leave that decision for a month. Because in the summer, when it starts hooping around corners and we've realised, and I hope I'm wrong, that these guys aren't up for it, who's going to be the first two guys on the phone it's going to be Broad and Anderson on a on a on a yeah, Lords yeah. or at Trent Bridge or wherever they're playing, and they'll come in and one of them will get six for and the other one will get four for and we'll bowl someone out for hundred. We do have to at some point though, and I've got a couple of other questions on this. At some point, we do have to start planning for life without James Anderson and Stuart Broad, right? That that is a given. Now, one of the other questions I want to ask, um, well, two more for a losing team. As we are at the moment, right? Granted, it's that I think anybody feels like they could turn up and, and give a real good go. Um, is it then dangerous to pick an emerging side for this three-test series in in the West Indies, or is it a case of we don't care if we lose because it is about giving them that experience? I, I don't know. Or it's the place I, to do it with test cricket. It devalues the West. The West Indies. This is the thing for me. The West Indies. When we were in. The, during COVID, we couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And 15, 16 lads from the West Indies and probably three or four coaching staff, because they weren't allowed to bring any more over, came and spent two months sat in cricket grounds in the UK. And we did it to Pakistan as the ECB when we brought drafted them over and we managed to find... Then, the daft thing is for Pakistan, all of a sudden, all our guys got COVID. We found a whole squad. And beat them. Yeah, but, yeah, 
and beat them at a week's notice, yet we want to go to Pakistan. They want our players to go to Pakistan. No, sorry, we can't do that. We, now, all of a sudden, yeah. the West Indies, oh, yeah, we'll repay that. We'll repay that. Oh, by the way, we're not travelling around the islands there. We want to play in Barbados. And we're sending a third team. That's only because Jono was going there and they wanted to be in the place where Jono was. No, I don't, I don't necessarily. I mean, for the one-day stuff. I mean, for the one-day stuff. And then also for this test series, they've gone, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll send a side out. Yeah, yeah. By the Great way, place for a holiday, Simon. Have you not been? I, I'm, I'm sure it is. I, I went and played cricket there a few years ago, and I'm sure I'll send you. I'll send you. I'm sure people have an amazing time. Yeah. But for me, it's just it's, they're trying to take the piss. They're either overthinking it, which I think is where I hope it is, or they're taking the piss out of it a little bit, or they're starting afresh after the shit show that was the Ashes. In which case, have enough balls to say That's- it. Yes, Having I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Say, yeah. say, Broaden Anderson. Sorry, mate. Well, then, who made that comment, by the way, with Broaden Anderson? Yeah. I didn't see it. Andrew Strauss. Was it well. Andrew Strauss? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And but to be fair, we can. I can say what I said earlier. Now, if you look at when Andrew Strauss was in last time, and I think he's brilliant for the majority of what he did. He was already yeah, yeah. two years ago before Giles came in, and 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 horrible, horrible things happened to Andrew Strauss, and that's not. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but three, four years ago, he he's, he began this process. Whether it was, mm. we, we'll start rotating. And at that point, mm. Broadway was 31. Do we think, okay, so let, let's, let's. there's two options here. And like Robbo says, it's either a, a, a kind of, you know, let them go. And if they're brilliant, then we say that was always a plan. Or if they're shit, then we bring the new lads in. And that was always a plan. It was just about, so the, the kind of the ECB had, it would seem are almost trying to plan for all eventualities with a, a route out of the back end of it, regardless. Right. Um, let's just take for one question for one second. Let's say it is the end of the road for James Anderson and Stuart Broad. Is it, is it right that there's no emotion in the highest level of elite sport or is it a little bit harsh that they don't kind of get that golden handshake of a, Final home summer in front of their own fans. Could Jimmy? Could Jimmy make seven hundred wickets? What is he? he? Must be seven. Six, six forty-eight. Sixty-eight. Broad is four uh, five forty. Yeah. My perspective is: yeah, I, I love emotion in cricket. However, there's very little time for it. You look at all of the big and great cricketers that have been out there. I mean, you always wish they'd played that one more test. Not many people retired on a high. I think from memory, the people that I'm thinking of here are like Shane Warne, Melitharan, McGrath. But you think yeah. of the people that didn't have that opportunity to leave while they were at the top of their game, allegedly in the top of their game. And and there's, there's, there's few and far between that you think about from that perspective. So I think, look, as a, again, treating, you know, let's, 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 let me put my Tom Harrison hat on you. Um, if I was talking to Jimmy and and Brody as as corporate employees, absolutely, you've got an opportunity to get back into the side. You know, right now we're going with this young squad. This is what we're thinking, and therefore this is the the the, the statement that we're going to make to the media. Well, knowing that if these guys crack the nod, fulfil their reliability in terms of fitness, perform as adequately as they've performed within the um, county championship, the door's closed. Good luck getting back in. That's 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 what I think is is happened right now. This squad here is the squad of the future based on 
the statistics from the county championship for the next for the past 12 months because what other data do you have to go on well this is how you perform well it can't be because Aaron Stevens and Luke Fletcher would be in the squad uh, that are want. going to fulfill that are going to fulfill the role for the next five years, Jono. Yeah. You know, that's enough enough. The, uh, the old boat trip would be with them two on it as well. Oh. <laughs> Is there a day for you to and, do um, No, no. <laughs> I'll put my name down for that. Yeah, yeah. What do, you, what do you think, Robbo, in terms of like the golden handshake, you know, four or five tests in front of you? your home fans to, to kind of sign off. Now, they might only play I, one. I think that's bollocks. And then they... Um, the idea of bringing someone back in for one game just to give it like a round of applause and all that, this is international sport and I agree with that. I think the only reason that they get that is because they've been fucked about. And like, so if you if you pick your best team, this is, and it all goes back to the, the horrible precedent they've set by... England have continued been working towards the next Ashes series since 1988. <laughs> like they, they never, they've had this thing where we keep going and who's the next person? Who's now, now who's the best person now yeah. to win the game? Who can win this game of cricket? You look at what Australia did with um, the guy they bought in at Melbourne. Boland. Boland. And then they went, no, actually this guy's, this guy's the gun guy and he then gets 14 wickets at eight. Like, He's the best guy for now. So pick and he him. wasn't I, even I part was... of the original thought process at the beginning no. of the series. Yeah, I don't. I almost don't mind oh. if someone's picking like a horses for courses. Like when England picked Darren Pattinson for, for, I mean, the fact that his home ground was Trent Bridge that was a warped theory. But like, I, I don't actually mind that because for me, you pick the best team to pick a game. England picked their teams for the Ashes in in July. And then it went tits up because Moe yeah. and Ali retired and then we had to go, oh, no, but we'll keep them names in. What? Well, it's always flat at Brisbane. But what if it's not? Like, and what they've done here is they've done the same thing yeah. again. They're not picking the best team. They're, they're looking at five years' time. At some point, you've got to look now. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? So, you know, there's, there's like loads of really cool, like funny memes. And there was one about like uh, where they obviously made Brody and Jimmy like look miles older. And it was like in 2045 when they're talking about whether they should bowl first yeah. on a test match, first morning of a test match. Like, I, I think as, as cricket fans, which we are, the three of us are, that's our inherent thing. And what, you know, we love the game and, and love English cricket and South African cricket, obviously. Um, if Jimmy and Brody are two of the best bowlers in the land at any given point, is it unfair that they continue to be picked regardless of their age? I think if they're the best bowlers, they're the best bowlers. I yeah. don't, age is nothing. If you, if you can fulfil the role that you get picked for, that you're going to get picked for, then you then that's it. Hmm. You see in T20 cricket now, like yeah. the, the only reason that within Test cricket, certainly, is that people stop. Courtney Walsh bowled till he was 39 that you've seen these guys that keep going and keep going and keep going. And Anderson, from what you would like to believe, is infinitely fitter than Courtney Walsh was. Like, well, they reckon he's the fittest so, he's so ever been now, As long they, as you like, can bowl it at, and take wickets. I don't, when people hmm. talk about how fast he's bowling, I don't give a shit if he, if he bowls it at 76 miles an hour. He's if, still the most skillful bowler If he bowls at 76 miles an hour but still get wickets, no one cares. Like, pick pick, so yeah. pick some of those... Pick some of those yeah. England under-19 players that got to the final of the under-19 World Cup. Go on. 
Those guys it's, look gun, by the way. Congratulations well, to them for getting there and unfortunately falling short. But yeah. Yeah, but two, two of them playing the Knotts Premier League. Yeah, but and do, you know what, right? do you know if that's if and this is what I think South Africa did it really well. Do you know if you're saying we're picking for the future? Then pick for the fucking future. Don't pick this isn't the squad for the future. This one that they've written down, I mean I'm sure if you go to the average age of the squad, it's twenty nine. Probably about that. Because you've got Stokes, 32. Root, 33. Bairstow, 32. Wokes, 32. Folks, 29. It fulfills the role as long as you play to the age of 39. Mike Broad is and Anderson are. Yeah. You're not not picking a squad for the future, are you? Mamut Leach, 30-odd. Overton, maybe a bit younger, 25, 26. But let's let's pick a 21-year-old. Let's, let's pick a 19 year old mm. like they did to be fair they did it with the, the Warwickshire seamer that you broke down the ball rocket Ollie Ollie um, yeah. yeah who haven't been seen since yeah um, they did it, I think it was four years yeah. ago to be fair in the West Indies they picked him and he bought yeah yeah Stone, Ollie Stone, Stone yeah, they picked him on the basis of a, of a thing when he was 19 and he bowled rocket yeah fine do you know what no problem with that and then if that fails and he's 22 and he gets a stress fracture fine like, these things happen. But let's not say we're picking for the future when we're picking the 28-year-old. Yeah. I mean, we're going to we're gonna come on to the squad, and we've obviously got quite a lot to talk about that in a minute. Uh, just before we do that, long-term coaching um, possibilities. Now, Langer's... I mean, now he's been booed out of his job, considering <laughs> the record. I've just and won I mean, everything. Cheers, lads. Yeah. Well, he must... I mean, but then... It, you think about, you know, those lads in the dressing room must really dislike him. I mean, considering everything he's won, you know, like Cummins refused to come out and, and give him a, a public uh, public backing. Um, he spoke about know. global warming, didn't he, instead? Well, I don't know. But, I mean, like, you know, I, I, Langer's not the one for me. I, I, although, you know, I, I think they've tried to approach Ponting. Ponting said that he didn't want it. Do you, know, um, do you know who would be quite a good coach of Australia, I think? Go on. Justin Langer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Do you know, yeah, do you know who I'm surprised they haven't asked yet? It's Kevin Peterson. Oh, you he know. said refuse, didn't he? Until they, <laughs> yeah. until, they have to, until they have to do everything his way. But the thing is, like, I mean, you know, let's let's draw a parallel to football. And I was watching the uh, the, the, the pre-match thing about um, United playing Man United are playing Burnley tonight. Big game. Well, they, were talking, they were talking about the uh, relegation battle. I mean, I was at Old Trafford on, on Friday night and United were fucking rubbish. Um, it was embarrassing. Um, but the the whole, um, the, you know, they're talking about Ferguson, there being no fear factor. You know, someone who, and I wonder with, with Langer, is Langer that kind of Ferguson style, no messing, no shit approach, but the whole kind of Gen Z, you know, often referred to as the snowflake generation, don't like being told what to do, when to do it, exactly how they're expected to do it. And now that is beginning to take such a kind of stranglehold in modern day society that, you know, we'll have all experienced it in our own just individual everyday lives. You can't say to people now what you were able to say and was deemed to be fine 10 years ago. Is that now creeping into coaching? And, you know, Peter Crouch and Rio Ferdinand were talking about it about the in, in the football scenario and saying that managers can't, you know, aren't 
just can't go about things. There's no fear factor anymore because they will be able to force people out of jobs by saying, oh, he's a bit mean to me. I'm worried you know about I mean? how I answer this, Johnny. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a thing now, isn't it? I mean, the whole the whole fear factor, and and you know, as you rightfully said, it the whole snowflake scenario is a really interesting conversation. And I suppose this is where it sort of comes back to the first part of the the conversation I was having. It's how you converse with people and how you get the best out of people. And apparently, Justin Langer was not doing that. And some people react well to, and, and, and JL said this when he was a, a player, the best way that he, he, he the best, um, the best, you got the best out of him when you were really hard on him. So he did that as a coach because that's the only way he knows it. Where, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. caretaker right now, McDonald's come in and apparently if you read everything that, that's in the press, he, he's got a more soft approach in getting the best out of people. And maybe yeah. because of the the, the 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 age demographic of the current Australia side, maybe he is the right person. Um, but you can't, you can't you can't knock JL for his results. He no, what absolutely. he did is unreal. Funny. Is it a horses for courses thing? So it's funny you say that about Langer. I I when I first went to captaincy, I was very hard. I, Rob, Rob will probably tell you about the way in which I captain my side now. I'm like I set very clear expectations, and I am hard on the lads because it, you know that. I'm I'm used to winning. I I know how to go about winning. Very much not in the, the same level as Justin Langer, but in in a way, it's kind of all relative. So you set expectations, probably basic things about you know simple things like don't Drop fucking turn up late. Oh, okay, don't don't okay, yeah. yeah, but don't turn up late. Turn up to training. Like just do the basic things right, and then by the time you go out there, because you're a unit and everybody buys into the same ethos then you've got a much better chance of executing your skills and so on and so forth but you know i've i i i'd lads well i cried when i had to go to him last year <laughs> and i felt really guilty about it but i was like it wasn't you robo <laughs> but you know not not in front of me you may have cried in the changing rooms oh, on your own God, i, I definitely didn't cry at all john <laughs> well, 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 are we talking you know, about friday is... night again no sorry <laughs> <laughs> we will not be talking about like Robbo's riding up. Um but you know, it is it is an interesting thing, isn't it? Where, you know, I I I, I react best under a, a, a captain like, you know, Oggy, Sam Grizovich, who Robbo and I interviewed on here a, a, a while back. But the best captain I played under, the certainly most successful when I was at Wimbledon and we won everything, um, was Neil Turp. And he was exactly the same. He was like on you. But what era was that? You know, what era was that, Jono? And this is why I say progression. So we, and this is what we're talking about, was, like Collywood being successful, because he's progressively taken from where he was to where he is now to where he's going to go. Augie, well, you know, your, your, your captain back then was in what era compared to how would he captain that, that same side today? Neil Turk would captain the same way that Neil Turk. Well, <laughs> 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 enough, I've been talking to him this week. But, you know, that he was a very, very kind of hard cricketer. And there was... You know, his expectation was, and I kind of try and instill this a little bit into lads now. It's like, right, you 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 arrive to the game ready to execute your skills. You you know, warm ups and bowl throughs and run throughs. I'm sure when Simon was you know doing his, his playing his trade professionally, like the your week running up to the game or the your time running up to the game. That's when you do your preparation. The run throughs that that's just a loosen off. That's not to kind of try and hone your length in the. 15 minutes you bowl before 
that you know you, you actually go out to take the field. Um, so the expectation at Wimbledon was always like you prepare and you are ready. The, the, as soon yeah, as the yeah, first ball's let go, after a bowler, you you have to be ready to go out and do what you need to do. Tell you what, the I third eleven now this year is going to be amazing. By the way, if you're captaining. <laughs> Um, I think it's. I think going back to the, I think you see why certain coaches work in certain environments and other coaches work in other environments. So you go back to what people might say is arguably the greatest coach of all time in someone like Alex Ferguson. Now, would his methods have worked in at Arsenal? If you look at who they were competing against at that time, you had Arsene Wenger go in and do things his way, a very much more and more communicative, involving way. And then you had Alex Ferguson. It was a very much a my way. This is what I want to buy you to buy into. This is how I'm going to do it. So I think it's important. That, and this is what, when it, we come on to talking about the next coach, and we talk about potentially moving this team forward, like the coach has got to match the um, personality of the team. Like you, we took you about talking about Alex Ferguson, and you talk about never say die, never be, and all this kind. Of, and you talked at Manchester United when they were successful, and they had that. Doesn't matter whether it's the mm. first minute or the ninety-fifth minute we're coming at you. And you look at Pep Guardiola, for example, now with Manchester City. Personality of him very much matches the personality of the team. Now, if if you were to, and it's different eras, granted, but if you, and this is for me when Wood, Justin Langer. If he was to go to a Bangladesh, let's say, uh, a slightly weaker, perhaps, nation, a less cricketing like, powerhouse, where those guys just want to learn, want to develop, would that match the team? You look at England rugby at the minute. England rugby in an interesting spot because Eddie Jones, is how he coaches, now he doesn't necessarily match up to the team. And this is where I think the next England coaching appointment has got to be very careful because... We've seen with the Chris Silverwood, the nicey-nicey, I'm everyone's best friend approach ain't working. So are we going to go for a Justin Langer type character at the risk of winding up significant senior players? Because we've seen what how fiery someone like Ben Stokes can be and Joe Root is a bloody-minded Yorkshireman. And if he starts having someone come in and tell him, no, this is what we're doing, all of a sudden he might go, hang on a minute. Like, you've got to have someone, you, that is where it is so important. It's why I think someone like Collingwood, for example, been around them a lot, knows them a lot, always adapted to a situation. And the art of a coach, and certainly it is that ability to get the best out of all your players, no matter what that type of person is. Does this person need an arm around them? Do they need a bollocking? And I tell you what, those two things can change on a daily basis for the same person. So let's... This idea of, and it's where for some reason I've got sympathy for Justin Langer, but I've got sympathy for the other guys on the Australian side, is the fact that if he's got one way and it's my way, I'll do it, do one, mm. then I can see why they're going. Uh, it's interesting that you reference Pep, because just listening to Ferdinand and Crouch talk earlier, like, you know, Pep has banned Foden and Grealish. So, and, you know... You look at Thomas Tuchel with the Lukaku incident. You know, they're, they're at that level of football, it is still there's still a no messing approach. Like they might be a bit more communicative, communicative, but there is still a like this is the fucking line, 
and don't go anywhere near it, otherwise I'll just am it. I, I think like, there's, so, there's a difference between setting certain standards when it comes to off-the-field things. Like, there's been a big talk this week about um, Everton, Frank Lampard going in and introducing his fines approach yeah. at Everton. Now, there's certain things, and I, I agree, I don't care how the type of manager you are or coach or captain, you need to set certain standards, and it's how you go about them. For me, it's, it's less about a hairdryer or a thing to them and this is where you're talking about elite coaches. They've got certain standards that they hold at a level. And I think all captains will hold certain standards at a level. It's the way that they approach it with certain players and how they then go about that. The little nuances that, like, yes, you can sit there and talk about how Thomas Tuchel goes at Romelu Lukaku for talking on social media to some bogus Italian, whatever, how Pep Guardiola does that, because that's the fundamentals of being a professional sportsman that they're mm. talking about. Don't take the piss out of the game. The game will come back and bite you. And I think anyone at that level can see that. For me, it's more about the intricacies of the of the skill sets and how we're going to manipulate, how we're going to turn Ben Folks from being a decent county wicketkeeper batter to being the person that England chuck in at seven and go, right, mate, you're our keeper because you're our best keeper, but we need to get you scoring runs. And how are we going to do that? Yeah, before we finish off on the um, Australia stuff, I, I just want sort of a little bit of a food for thought. Um, remember at the beginning of the the Ashes, there was a captaincy change and that um, Tim Payne took a step down. I'd like to know, and, and again, this is a rhetorical question, if Tim Payne was still in captaincy, would Justin Langer still be the coach? And I think personally, and I don't know what you guys think, he would still be the coach today. I think he'd have the backing. I think you're probably right. No, I, I don't. I think if you're looking at the that, if you did you watch that episode of the test when Tim Payne went to Justin Langer and said about the batters, they went, "Look, you don't like," and that was in 2019. They went, "Look, you." Oh yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming this for Justin Langer. Like, I've probably done well to hang on as long. I'm not as saying yes. I definitely think he would be, or no, I definitely don't think he would be. But I think this has been brewing for a long so, time. And I so think is Justin Langer going to be the next coach for England, lads? Come on, yes or no? Let's let's put it out there. My, so that was going to be my next question. I wanted one word, one name, um, and that's it from, from all three of us, who's going to be the next England coach. Uh, Robbo, hang your hat on a name. Well, who I think, who, who I think it will be, or who I think it should be. Uh, well, either. I, 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 who do you think it will be? I think it will be Langer. Who do you think it should be? Stuart or Collingwood. Okay, Eugene? Gary. You think it will be or you think it should be? Gary and Gary. (laughs) Yeah, Nathan Lyon. (laughs) Gary Kirsten, Gary Kirsten. It'll be. I'd I'd love it to be Gary Kirsten. I think um, think it probably will be, against my better judgment, I think they'll split it. I think Collingwood might take white ball and I think um, Kirsten or Langer might take Red I think ball. if they split um, it, if they split it, La- uh, Kirsten will get it. Yeah. yeah. If they split it, Kirsten will get the test team and Collingwood will get the, the one-day team. I think that's mm-hmm. a given and, and the short format will be lined up for Owen Morgan moving forward. But I think because England's more... Did you say Owen Morgan is going to be the, the ODI yeah. coach? Moving forward, yeah. I think eventually, I think he probably. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. 
probably, I'm sure people have thought about it already. Yeah. Said before, no, but, yeah. but but we said it first on the podcast. <laughs> breaking news! Breaking news! <laughs> um, right. Okay. So now we've got to go on to uh, we've got to go on to the test squad that's been announced. So full test squad. Um, I mean, everybody who's listening to this will probably already know this because uh, this is 12 hours, maybe a bit longer after it came out. But uh, Root, Captain, um, Johnny Bairstow, Zach Crawley, Matthew Fisher, um, who's a seamer for, from Yorkshire, uh, Eugene, for your benefit, Ben Folks, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, Alex Lees, Saqib Mahmood, Craig Overton, Matthew Parkinson, Ollie Pope, Ollie Robinson, Ben Stokes, Chris Wokes, and Mark Wood. That's a 16-month squad to, for the three test series in the West Indies. Uh, first one in Antigua, second one in Barbados. I'll be sending photos, don't worry. And uh, final one in Grenada. Um, so before we came on, I challenged, oh, well, all three of us uh, to come up with what we thought our first, our starting eleven would be for that, or, or the strongest eleven, let's call it. Um, but two options: one with an all-seam attack, and one with a specialist spinner. So. Um, we're going to go one uh, roll one by one. Apart from, we'll start with the openers and we'll we'll go in order, um, and then we'll see what differences there are, and then we can talk around that for five or ten minutes before we finish. So, uh, openers, please, Simon Roberts, Lee's and Crawley. Okay, uh, Eugene Fisher and Crawley, and I didn't know he was a bowler. <laughs> Because I tell you what, he can't do any worse than the fellas in Australia. <laughs> I genuinely wrote that down because I had no idea who he was. I thought he was a bat. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to write it down, but I'm, I can guarantee you now that won't be happening. Uh, I also had uh, Zach Crawley and Alex Lees. Alex Lees, I think, is an interesting one. I think he's he's probably 29, 30, and he's been a bit of a journeyman county pro. Uh, it go, very much goes back to what Robbo said earlier about picking lads who were kind of, you know, almost reaching the not the twilight of the county career. But uh, you would think that had he have had a real good opportunity, he would have picked it up nine years ago. Um, okay, number three, I went Ollie Pope. Simon? Ben Stokes. Okay. Eugene? Joe Root. Okay. Uh, number four, I went Joe Root. Simon? Ben. Ben Folks. Uh, folks. Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes. Folks. Folks with an F. As, as in. in Say again. As in the keeper, yes. Are you high? high. That's a good number four. Number five, I went Ben Stokes, Simon. Uh, Ollie Pope. Okay, right, yeah. You Dan Lawrence. Right. I mean, I. I I couldn't wait to hear what was coming out of his mouth next. No. Um, number six, I've gone Johnny Bearstone. Same. We have one number that is the same. I've gone Johnny Bearstone. <laughs> That's because Eugene's making his numbers up as we go through it now. No, 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 no. I, I, I have, I have my bowlers. Even that reason, a randomizer. Yeah. By the way, Fisher's not a bowler. <laughs> Tell you what, if Blue, if Bluey's listen is listening to this, he'll be listening to Eugene's announcement to go, "What the fuck? Why am I batting two below Ben?" <laughs> um, number seven, I've gone Ben, folks. I imagine that Simon's gone the same. And here we go. Here we go. The, the King Ollie of Robinson. 
Robinson, okay. Yes. I mean, considering we couldn't get 200 in Australia, you've, you, you've picked less batters. Eugene's gone with a seven bowler attack. Uh, uh, I, I, 200 when you've got seven bowlers, lads. Um, Simon, I'll come to you for number eight. Wokes. Yeah, I've gone Wokes. Eugene? Stokes. At eight. Somebody needs to bat with a tail. Fuck me. <laughs> I'd have perhaps picked him at three then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, number nine, uh, Simon. This is the only one I've put a caveat on. I've no, gone. No, if... Caveat yet. I want just a name first. Robinson. Okay. I've also gone Robinson. And if you're going to say if he drops 10 kilos, then we'll deal with that separately. But. Um, I don't care how much he weighs. I just want him to be able to bowl three spells a fucking day. Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Eugene, number nine, please. Leech. Jesus, wet. Um, okay, number ten, I've gone Mark Wood. Yes, yeah, I uh, Eugene? Mahmood. Okay. I don't disagree with Eugene's last three, I don't think. <laughs> uh, no, number, number 11, Robbo? Parkinson. Okay, I've also gone Parkinson, but we did put a caveat in of uh, a specialist spinner, but also a uh, a full seam attack. So, who would you be your full seam attack? I've other gone option? different. My batting order is completely different. My number oh. eleven, by the way, is Overton. So I have a full seam attack and full spinner, and, and then a bowling, the all ra- and then a bowling all rounder at eleven. <laughs> and I've got two keepers. I'm just saying. I've covered everything, lads. Yeah, you're okay. Out. So my over so the my, top four. My um, my Seema option was uh, Mahmood for Parkinson, basically, but they were both at eleven. Uh, who was your other spin option? Huge Root. No, but oh, no, I see. Option. So, sorry, who was your other seam option? If if you didn't, well, I didn't know Fisher was a. Seam option, so I'm gonna. Yeah, well, you talking yeah. the fucking batting? <laughs> exactly. So. That's what you know. I've got. I've gone all in. No, no. I, I, yeah. I don't have another one. If I'm honest, I'm, okay. yeah. so, um, right. I've gone for my seam attack. My my order is Lee's Crawley, Lawrence Root, Pope Bearstow, who's keeping Stokes at seven, Wokes eight, Robinson Wood, Mahmood. Well, there's no way Ben Stokes is going to bat at seven. There is if he's our, there is if he's one of the fifth seamer. He's not bowling, yeah, he's he's not bowling in my first one. Well, he will he will get fitter and fitter, I think. And you know he looks short in the Ashes, but he will be doing a lot of fitness. Now. He bowled seventeen overs, seventeen overs in first class cricket. Last yeah, year. yeah. Well, they don't. But we've had this argument before. They don't play enough first class cricket because the centrally. Well, no, I think he was he was a particular exception, but I think the way he was then used in the Ashes means for me he doesn't bowl in this series. He 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 just doesn't. Regardless of how much fitness and how much work he's done in that period, yeah, no, just bowling nets, get yourself loose, get yourself sorted, get yourself back involved in cricket. He's our second best batter, which is why I wouldn't pick that second team. To be fair, for me in the West Indies now, it's not West Indies nineteen ninety two again when it used to tram around your tabs. If anything, I can see us picking two spinners and Root. You reckon? It wouldn't surprise me. If you're picking Parkinson, which I think they will because they'll want to give him a go, for me, I think Bairstow 
they won't pick Folks. They'll pick Bairstow as a keeper. Wokes will go up to seven. Robinson will go up to eight. Leach will bat at nine. Wood ten. So what? So that you think they'll pick Bairstow to bat at six and keep? No, no, no. I, I'd say I think they will do that if they're going to pick two spinners. Yeah. What's the I mean, what's the point that, of taking folks? Is he going to go on another tanning regime? Well, the, all, I mean, they're always got to, they've always got to take a backup, haven't they? And there's no Butler, so well, they've got Pope, haven't they? That's what I'd say. But I think I, I think that first test, it, if if I think the changes that they'll make won't be to pick no spinners. So do you, I think the changes. That I think. I mean, and again, I may be wrong. Like, it'd be interesting to see what happens come the first test and the, the lineup that they do actually go with. Um, and they may well go with both Leach and Parkinson. I can't see it personally, but because um, I think obviously with Root as the, the second spinner, uh, I do, I think with the swell of, um, and I do think that they 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 probably are swayed a little bit by stuff like this. I think with the swell of support for Ben Folks off the back of the Ashes, I think they will pick him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that first team we've done there, whether it's Pope at three, Stokes at six, or well, they reckon that Root, they reckon Root's going to have to fall on his sword a little bit. There's a lot of people from cricket now saying that it's gonna Root three. will bat. At I wondered though, uh, and this is why I think it's healthy for us to talk about this. I, I wonder whether they are going to almost go to Ollie Pope. Who's kind of not really found himself at six, a different role than the one he's used to at Surrey, where he bats at four. I don't know whether they just go. He batted at six when he first when he first got picked. He was batting at six because they went they lost the block. They picked him at three, didn't they? I th- I think I think they might. And again, I may be wrong. I, I think they, you know, everybody says refers to him as the new Ian Bell or the next Ian Bell and whatever. It wouldn't surprise me to see him just go to him right. There's that number three spot. It's yours for two years. You know, Robbo, you and I were both there, and we talked about it on this podcast before when he scored a brilliant hundred at Newlands. Um, yeah. You know, against Amrik Norkia and the the you know Rabada and these other lads who were letting go of it at ninety plus and you know bringing it bringing it in, uh, and he, he he looked great. And he's not a tall lad. I mean, he's not as small as people think he is. He's probably five nine, five ten. Um, but I just wonder whether now is the opportunity that they're looking to him and just saying, right, that's your spot now for two years and, and go and go and make it your own. Do you know why I think that's a good a good thing? When when I watched him play in Australia and, and against spin for that matter, he is too fidgety against spin, comes out his crease too quickly, tries too many shots. Maybe against pace, he might just play a cricket shot. You know, yeah. stay stay where he is, play cricket instead of running down the wicket. Doing all sorts. I mean, he just looked, you know. Look, I, I know I know when you first come into test cricket, there's always the saying, you, you come and bat seven and six and you, you sort of find your feet and you learn your trade over there. I think... But he didn't, no. did he? He didn't, did he? He came to bat at three. Um, In that first time, first series he played, he okay, came and, to bat And he scored three. runs, right? So why fuck it up? No, no, no. They, then, then when they moved him, so he came in and played like two tests yeah. batting at three because this was at the start of the Joe Root didn't want to bat at three situation. So we basically went through... 958 batters to buy a top three, including Alex Hales and all this kind of gubbins. And then we we then sort of moved towards the, we're going to pick three opening batters to bat in the top three and Stokes, because that was when Crawley started batting three, because we were going burn Sibley, Crawley, route four, and then we went, and that was when, to be fair, because he, he was batting at six at Surrey, that was when Stokes went from batting at six to batting at five, 
and Pope slotted in at six because the again people were saying oh he's used to batting at six so batting at six yeah and this then kind of ruined the the balance of the sort of the all rounder when Ben Stokes then started to bat more at five to become more of a batter rather than that kind of all rounder slot yeah yeah and then. Uh, we we both know a bloke that's been saying for four years. The person who should bat at three in the England team is Chris Wokes. Do you and know my what? idea of Fisher Oprin is a stupid one. Come on. No, I don't think they're right. In terms of England Test cricket, I don't think there are any stupid ideas at the minute. The stupidest idea is that us three are selectors. That might be the, the worst idea about all this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, but... Mark Rambergash has referred to uh, the omission of Anderson and Broad as seismic. So, you know, I think I think there's a lot of people now in cricket starting to talk about, you know, maybe the, maybe it could be the end for them. Um, I'm just trying to think. I've written down six names here. So there are eight, who, and hopefully you two can help me with the other two that have missed out. From the Ashes touring squad, so I've written down Burns, Hamid, Milan, Broad, Butler and Anderson. Who are the other two that have missed out? Bess. Bess. Billings. No, Billings wasn't. He wasn't an Ashley. No, but that's what they're saying. It's eight people from the the people that played over. Okay, okay. I mean, you've got to you've got to think now. Then, so let's just look at that. This is going to be the last point of order for tonight. But um, let's go through them individually. Do we think there's any way back from them? So, Bilbo, you'd say he was never really part of the test plans anyway. You know, the the Hobart test. He just happened to be in the country, so you wouldn't necessarily look at him as a a long term option. Um, in the country, he was eight and a half hours away via a car. Yeah, that he, might as well have been another continent. He was like England picking a bloke from Morocco. Yes. <laughs> He's going to do well to drive from Morocco uh, in eight and a half hours. It is, po- it is possible, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, right, well, you're stopping at Dubai, though, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you just have to drive across the Mediterranean, <laughs> which won't be the- I'd rather go Dubai route, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, Don Bess. Flat to deceive, a lot of opportunities, and you know, is it does he have a future in Test cricket? Yes or no? Uh, no. It, it, this is all very kind of hypothetical because it depends who they bring in as a coach. All of a sudden, it could be something as daft. And I said this to people earlier about what I think might happen is I think England will pick Alex Stewart as a coach. They'll get rid of Joe Root as captain, they'll pick Ollie Pope. And they'll go, Joe Root, you bat at three, we'll use an off-spinner, that's all we want you to worry about. You're the best batter, you bat at three. So we're talking about this situation where, is at the end of the day, be put, be ready put, for England captain? Was Graham Smith? I'm not comparing the two. Was all these guys. Was Joe Root? Hang on. I'm t- we're talking about an off-spinner here. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is having the conversation about do we think they're out of test cricket, this could all change very quickly when Andrew Strauss is no longer the director of cricket, Paul Collingwood's not the coach. and Who's your one's off-spinner at uh, Pepperwick? we got two. We've got uh, Dave France. They're both better than Dombis. I mean, I don't disagree with necessarily what you're saying, but I mean, the conversation that we're having is a bit of a... All of a sudden, David Milan, for example, comes out and scores 700 runs in, before the end of, well, March. March. Because that's when they'll play the county, <laughs> county Championship. He'll have played well. Um, 
and then be, all of a sudden, next game he's back in. Like this is it's because they want that. Whoever wants that sort of player to come in and bat three, he might open the batting. I mean, there were people in Australia that were talking about David Milan opening the batting. I mean, this this, this was supposed to be a yes or yes or no. Uh, and I, I, I said I said yeah, no. Well done. Just for um, the record. Right, uh, Hamid, yes or no? No. Yes. Okay, which coach comes in? He's not getting picked. Uh, okay, um, Rory Burns. No. No. Oh, interesting. We agree. Uh, David Milan. Yes. Robo. No. Okay. Um, Joss Butler. Yes. As a keeper. As in, yes, it's the. Are we saying yes, it's the end, or no, it's not the end? No, as in, yes, they've got a future, or no, they don't have a future. Joss Butler, no. Yes, he does. Uh, Shirt Broad, James Anderson. Now these are the two big ones. Now take emotion out of it. Not whether we want them to. Do we genuinely think that these guys are, have got a, a future playing Test cricket for England? Let's say South Africa, um, Pakistan this summer. Is it Pakistan? Do I think they should, or do I think they have? No. Do I think? Do we think they have? Uh, yeah. Okay. They will be playing in the English summer. I do not agree that they should be playing in the English summer. Now that is controversial, Eugene. Um, or maybe it's because not. I'm South African and I don't want to face half decent bowlers. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if, you're the, if you're that South African top six at the minute, you've looked at that test team and gone. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, What's that? Hence, I'm, hence, I'm opening with Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Well, look, we've covered an awful lot. Um, there will be a lot more to discuss uh, across all of these subjects uh, over the coming weeks. Uh, gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for your time. Uh, guys, thank you for sticking with us. It's a bit of a longer episode than normal, uh, not by too much, but um, pleasure to have you with us as always. Don't forget to subscribe, uh, follow us across our social media channels. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we very much look forward to being back with you similar time next week. Ta-ta for now. Yeah, boys.